Right, now I'm full of coke, so I'm going to wee every 20 minutes through the show. And welcome to World One Stage One. I'm Simon. I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm Troy. And that's probably the best intro we're going to get today. So that is, that's got to be like in the top one intros we've done today out Absolutely. of out of like three hundred. <laughs> no. So let's uh, get over ourselves and get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Oh, I do enjoy this. <laughs> so today. We are going to start off a little bit by looking at some of our listener feedback because it was brought to my attention recently by a listener that we haven't actually acknowledged they exist for ages. Who are the listeners? Mm. They don't exist. Oh, but they do. There's like, okay, there's like two. Yes, and they've both sent mail. Oh, fantastic. Uh, there's actually a few quick ones we can get through very quickly. Uh, I'd like to thank Martin, who's written in uh, to wish Jack well. Because if oh, you remember, what? the last but one episode, you weren't here. That's true. Oh. Yep, and there was one where you were sick. That's, oh. You were, like, head cold, things oh, dripping out of you. I remember that. Tentacle from the nose. I bought so many trading cards to cheer myself up. You did. So Martin has said, tell me Jack is alright. Please, I would not want to miss his underhanded funniness for another episode. What's underhanded mean? Means basically <laughs> you're a knob. Yay! So Jack, are you alright? I'm fine, more I, or less. I, I got disagree. another cold late, uh, yesterday, but it went away. Well, that's touching. Normally that... a cold for me only lasts like three hours or so. I don't know what that shit was about the last time. It's very reassuring that you're okay. Yes, I'm absolute. well, comparatively. Compared also... to what? Com- well, you know, the brain thingy. Oh, that thing. Sorry, carry on. We have better music. We've also had a letter from uh, Jonathan, uh, who's been writing to us for a very long time now, and the artist behind one of our Tetris smuggler picks. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, apparently he's been inspired to start his own gaming show. Hey! <gasps> awesome! And uh, is working on a, an episode zero, much as we did, to sort of test the concept. Yeah. So I should keep people informed on that. Send us, when you're done, send us a link to it. Absolutely. I think we'd all like to see that. And absolutely. we're all pleased to see more people talking about games. Even if you are a competition, we may have to break your legs, etc., etc., etc. Yes. I don't know how breaking his legs would stop him from recording a podcast, though. Well, that's why it's a, a decent punishment. It's like, how dare you, but we endorse your endeavour. Yes. How dare you meet my friend Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, please send us a link, because I need to start listening to podcasts again. Yeah, absolutely you do. I can send you a link to a few. Excellent. And also from David, who wrote to us some time ago now, uh, and in an old email address. I think that's why I missed it. Ah, right. Uh I hope that was this year. Anyway, (laughs) this is the one I wanted to get to. Uh, David wanted advice on making video games and learning game programming, which is an interesting topic to just touch on briefly before we get on with the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, personally, from my point of view, I have quite a lot to say on the matter. Probably I could do a show on it. Yeah. Uh, But um, if you had any thoughts from an interesting outsider's perspective? Well... You've got, to, you've got to remember that uh, myself, I'm not really, I'm not really part of the games industry except in sort of a demand capacity. 
Uh, as my limited understanding allows, uh, you've got to defeat a game's developer in single combat to take his place in the high-profile world of, well, murder and espionage, really. It's a sort of one-in-one-out system, yeah. Yeah, Dead Man's Boots. Mm. It's kind of like Splinter Cell, but with more coffee and Hawaiian t-shirts, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Jack? Well, I was very much of the opinion that if you were to reach sort of level 24, level 25, and learn hidden power, and then if you were to travel to the Whirlpool Islands and use a Thunderstone, that should help, hopefully, I mean, you know, it's kind of a bit uh, hit and miss here, but that should hopefully get you into the the games industry. But you've got to you've got to have the uh, the gym badge from the Seattle gym, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's got to be during the day because if you do it during the night, oh man, oh the the shit that happens then. Don't feed game developers after midnight. That's true, or at all. Okay, keep them hungry so you get your games out of it. <laughs> Actually, this is probably as good advice as you're gonna get. Honestly, what, because from us? there is no set no in the world. There's oh, okay. no set route into this industry. It's such a complicated industry. For one thing. If you want to get into game development, there are so many possible aspects of the business. Mm-hmm. I know people who've gotten into games companies based on being great artists, great story writers. So I'm going to take it as read that we're talking about programming here, mm-hmm. which is only one finite aspect. Yeah. Okay, what kind of programming? Because there are now so many specialties. We're pretty much past the days where one guy can do it all for a modern gaming enterprise. There are exceptions. I mean, if you want to look at uh, developing applications for, say, the iPhone, is a great way to start. You can get started with the SDK for free. Obviously, you have to pay an investment to actually release an application, but you can do that as an individual. You don't need to incorporate as a company. All the documentation for learning the device programming language is there on the Apple website. Equally, you can develop in Flash and release games on the web. Anyone who's seen Bejeweled, for example, will know that that can lead to great things. I thought you were going to make a very sly plug there when you were talking about sort of developing things for the iPhone. Yeah, but my app's not finished yet, okay, so <laughs> that will come another day. Watch this space, though. That's what we'll say. Yeah. So there are markets where you can be self-started, but if you want to get onto a games console, admittedly, that's starting to open up as well with WiiWare and Xbox oh, yes. Live Arcade. Indie gaming on arcade quite Quite mm. a big thing. So there are all these um, SDKs and protocols you can get documentation for free and start experimenting with and potential outlets. And that's a good way to start, self-teaching. Mm-hmm. Also, you, know, you can take courses on programming languages. That's going to be basically helpful. Other areas, study maths. Oh. Oh. Most of programming is mathematics. Yeah. Uh, Equally, logic. If you can do a course in logic, find a book to teach yourself logic. And weirdly, electronics. Hmm. A lot of the programming languages are based on precepts set down by the people who designed microchips, who were Hmm. electronics engineers. So if you know how to do electronics, specifically logic gate programming, then you'll find those concepts reflect in programming a lot. So there's weird (laughs) esoteric roots to learning how to program. And this sort of on-off, on-off idea of sort of... It's more a case of uh, doing maths with the concepts of and, or, exclusive, or, things like that. Yeah. And working out how logic trees form from that. And if you want to get into the actual nuts and bolts of programming for a big studio, I mean, obviously, 
developing indie games is a great way to start. But if mm-hmm. you want to get into a big studio, the best advice, specialize. Pick a specialty and run with it. Seriously, play it to the hilt. Power game. Min-max yep. this shit. You're going to min-max the fuck out of your programming abilities. You no, one want wants to be... a, no one wants a jack-of-all-trades. No. You've got to know how to do 3D engine rendering or texture rendering, um, 3D world sound effect rendering, artificial intelligence. Find an area that you're passionate about. Don't do something you're good at. Do something you love. Because it and will reflect, uh, reflect, reflect. Sorry, in the finished product. Absolutely, and you will survive. And yeah, there is, is, the there is an adage: do something, you, uh, take something you love as an occupation, and you will never work a day in your life. Yep. Um, and this is doubly true in the games industry. If you want to work in the games industry, you've got to prepare yourself for incredibly long hours. Uh, you've got to prepare yourself for stress that you cannot possibly contemplate before you get in there. I mean, I've done this business. I've mm. come into the office and seen people who were asleep under their desk because they were working so late that there was no point going home because the round trip would mean they just got home, turned around, came back again, so they just caught two hours sleep under the desk. Oh. On the other hand, the payoffs are enormous. If you get good and put get yourself in a good position, it's one of the best paid. Well, that's not entirely true. It's a well-paid job programming. Mm. Not one of the best-paid jobs in all of cross-section of industry, but mm-hmm. in programming, it's very well rewarded. Uh, there is the reward of seeing people you know playing something you made. That's a incalculable reward. And most games companies want to treat their staff well. It's a very incestuous, insular business. Uh, they employ people from other games companies all the time Mm -hmm. and they know that their people will be employed by other game companies yeah and they want you when you go and work for someone else to be saying oh they're a great employer i'll tell you oh the perks oh the massages oh the free takeaways so the other people there who are thinking of leaving go hmm like a jump ship yeah yeah so yeah dedication specialization and you can self-teach yourself everything i did yeah, this has actually been a bit eye-opening, me, eye-opening for me. Who, I can't program for shit. I don't even know how, you know, you know my level of computer literacy. Yeah. Double-click to open help. Yeah, exactly, and then just go from there. But as a writer, oh, yeah. which I can now describe myself as, because I'm no longer a student, <laughs> I am now a writer. Write something. Go to hell. Right, you, they are, not, then. You, you're not my agent. Ever since Half-Life really kicked it off, hmm. um, writers are more and more important in the world of video games. Oh, yeah. And you can start... There are entry-level jobs for writers in video games. Yeah, yeah. they did Split Cell Conviction, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was more thinking along the lines of... There's someone writing the overarching story yeah. for a video game. But if you look at a game like one of our favourites, Mass Effect, mm-hmm. with all the branching dialogue trees, there's no one guy that sat down and wrote every single word in that entire game. One guy wrote the arcing storyline, and then his people, the guys working under him, were handed individual scenes or individual arcs. And just go, at the end of this, you need either one of these things to happen. How you get there is up to you, just Mm. fill in the blanks. Here's the gist, uh, and this all combines in a modular way to build a story, a script, because there are millions of words in a computer game script, especially in an RPG where it's branching dialogue. Yeah. This is something Tycho discovered when they were doing the Penny Arcade games. 
and had melted his brain. He had no concept how much work was truly involved, I suspect. Uh, So there are entry-level writing jobs. Hell, you can even get started writing copy for the website. Uh-huh. Just the same, there are entry-level art jobs. If you're an artist and really want to get into the industry, sure, there's one guy doing the box cover and all the concept art that you'll see at E3 and all over the web. But there's somebody painting the side of that box in level three. Music is generally a one-man band. Yeah. You're good or you're not. If you're good, start knocking on doors. Uh, I can't think of any companies offhand that have a music department rather than a music guy. But sound recording, well, yeah, there's definitely there's engineers and producers, although that is often outsourced to a separate sound studio. Yeah. So maybe find a studio that's wor- known for working with video games companies. Work your way in that way. So yeah, there's a few ways into the industry. <laughs> there's no right way to do it. No, not at all. I'm... I've heard so many different stories of how people got into the business. There's probably a couple of wrong ways of doing it. I mean, like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's lots of entry levels and lots of stuff, but probably kicking in the wall and, you know, painting yourself blue. Mailing a bag of a poop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, what I will say is, yeah, don't, if you're one of these people who's got, I've got a great idea for a game, don't apply to game designer jobs. Yeah. No one gets their start in that field. That is something that is promoted from within. Yeah. If you've got a great idea and you can do it as an indie game, do it. Oh, That's yeah, absolutely. potentially possible. If you've got a great idea, shut up about it because someone's going to nick it while absolutely. you're working as the underdog. <laughs> yep, and just work your way up from within because everyone in a good game studio, everyone pitches in on ideas. Mm-hmm. And if you become known as one of those guys who always has good, uh, good advice, good ideas, creative solutions to problems you're going to start getting asked more and more what your thoughts are on game design documents. And that's how you work your way into that position. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I know. still think a 2D side-scroller action game featuring journalists as a protagonist, that's my idea for a game. And we could make that. I mean, there's a couple of programs online. This is, I mean, the, my entire knowledge of making video games comes from RPG Maker. Mm. I could write an, a side-scrolling engine for that natively. I could do that myself. There we go. So yeah. between us, we could make that. I'll write the plot. Troy, you can, like, draw it or something. I can't draw. All right. I'll, I'll, I have found my one barrier to making a game. Oh, I know what Troy should be. Troy should, Troy, uh, Troy should provide the sound effects. Yeah, and you can do the art and all that sort of stuff. I won't do the art. In I'll other do words, the programming. Just, like, I don't know. Take a photograph of some journalists, and then we can do it. <laughs> like the old WrestleMania game, where you actually just played as literally photographic, real wrestlers. In that case, Troy should dress up like Hunter. I'm up for that. Yep. There we go. Don't shave my head again, bro. <laughs> Don't shave me, bro. Uh, and if you're wondering whether this is ever going to happen, listeners, no. We're just shit-talking at this point. But it is this easy to get a game going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm single-handedly writing one for the iPhone myself. It's not a game. It's an oh, app. Oh, no, no, no. Right now I'm writing an app, but there oh. is also a game under development oh. as well. Ooh. Can I do sound design for it? Yes. Can I write the plot? Yay. No, there's no plot. Oh. It's not that kind of game. Can oh. I write a plot and give it to you, and then you can choose whether or not you want to add that on top doom style Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a bunny. But wait, wait, wait. I want to write the plot without knowing what the game is. That's fine. You don't know what the just game like is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just like Doom. <laughs> now I'm radioactive. That can't be good. Repenter. 
<laughs> so on to the meat of today's show, do you think? I think so, which might end up being the smaller part. I wasn't expecting that section to go quite so long, but it was fun. I'm I glad enjoyed it did, it. though, because it's showing we do love our listeners Absolutely. that don't exist. The, the three of them, which you earlier established, were two. Yeah, two, three, zero. It's all the same. And now we're on Simply Syndicated. That's why, that's why you're not a programmer. Those numbers are not the same, Jack. Doesn't matter. That's, I'm a writer. I can retcon shit. But yes, we are on Simply Syndicated. Which means we have a larger audience. And if that audience wants to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. We enjoy feedback and interaction. We hey, do hey, shit hey. like this. Hey, new listeners, come and say hi. So you can visit worldonestage1.com, and we have a forum there. And we also have an email link there, so you can email us and we can have chats. It's lovely. Well, you can email Simon. Yes, and I will discuss it with the others, yes. and then we will talk about it on the show. There was one other thing I wanted to touch on before we actually get started. <laughs> 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 <You> five. <laughs> yes, there was one other thing I wanted to mention before we got started today. <laughs> touch on. <laughs> Men. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> it is a delight. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, have I ever mentioned how much I hate you guys? Often. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just now, in fact. Uh, yes, salute to a Xbox player by the name of Apache N4SIR, who was the last man playing Halo 2 on Xbox Live. The last man to play Xbox Live. The last man. It's all right. You were just dropping words between you two. I wanted to condense the it down. Delicious alcohol. Shit. Yeah. Special props to that man for holding up live. Should we send him a prize? Could. We don't have prizes to send. Jack. We could we make could, something. We could send us a big pic. Send us. We could send him a big picture of us giving him a thumbs up and calling him like Live Atlas or something. We could do that, but let's not. That's Really I can't cool. see I why we live Atlas. I don't get. Oh, he, wow, that's really. Oh, I was cool. deep for a moment. Yeah, and then my brain caught up with my mouth and said no. But by then it was. If out. someone can get his contact details, we'll be very happy to send him a photo, signed or possibly like by photo. I mean like a crayon drawing. Jack does not speak for us in, on this matter. Uh, but yes, to give you an idea, uh, Xbox Live, the original Xbox Live, supposedly closed on April fifteenth. Lies. Uh, however, an intrepid group of Halo 2 players refused to sign off and have been continually online up until it was the 10th, yesterday, as we're recording. Almost a month? Almost a month. Continuous play. Well, no, well, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm imagining they slept and dead. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. And they eventually became known as the Noble 14. As a little pun, being that Reach, just around the corner, is Noble Team. Uh, oh dear. Uh, yes, Microsoft did try and buy them off with codes to the Halo Reach beta. But they were like, no, screw your shit. Well, they're like, we can do this, and then play Reach afterwards. We now have codes. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't really work, I, I would imagine, there. But yes, fair play to them for keeping the old Xbox Live alive. Now, hopefully, we can get all those improvements to the Xbox 360 Live version that were being held up by the old system. Yay! Which, as far as I can tell, is just having more than 100 friends on your friends list. I don't have 100 friends. Nor do I. I do. 
No, you but don't. I don't have an Xbox 360, so the point is kind of moot, really. <laughs> <laughs> so live hasn't inconvenient inconvenienced. It... So live hasn't. You're not going to actually cut that, are you? you nope. Got... Right. <laughs> I'm not even going to finish that thought. So live has been held up by the original Xbox Live. Yes, it's been and held up by the. Suddenly, I'm not such a fan of this Apache guy anymore. <laughs> well, to be fair, all they've done is prevented people from having more than a hundred friends on their Xbox Live friends list, as far as I can tell. What a prick! Whilst keeping Halo Two alive for another month, which was a super good thing they it's did. It's quite an endeavour. Like I said, it's the first ever online deathmatch that has been won as a result of a war of attrition. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, this man has won Halo 2 multiplayer. All of it. <laughs> he is he wins at Halo. He beat Halo. Oh god, he was last man standing. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. King of the hill in the most literal sense <laughs> of the term. Well no, the most literal sense would be being on a hill as a monarch. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm on a hill! <laughs> Different kind of monarch. Sorry. <laughs> Propane. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Xbox Live Friends list, I'm Curious. Now that we're on Simply Syndicated and have a vastly expanded audience, are you suggesting I should get an Xbox 360? No, I'm just saying I like playing multiplayer games. My Xbox Live tag is Ritera. W R Y T E R R A. My Xbox 360 isn't working, but you can find me on Doc Hooligan. W. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's try that again. That Doc was a real Millhouse moment, there, wasn't it? Thrill-ho. Spell Mississippi. That's easy. S. Oh! I hate. Let me let me spell for a second, okay? Just let me just let me do this. It's important. Do, oh, come, okay, what? it's D O C W H O L I G A N, and that works on Steam, Steam, Steam as well. Oh yeah, mine also works on Steam. Oh, on Steam, you can reach me. At... How do you spell your name? I've got Jack? like seven different logins all over the world um, for different things, so. Steam, it's Zafiel. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you how to spell that. You can find out your own damn self. T-S-A-P-H-I-A-L. Wrong! Wrong. Is it? T-S-A-P-H-I-A-L. Wrong! That's what I said. <laughs> I know! <laughs> <laughs> Is it E-L? Yeah. Ah, uh, there you go. T-S-A-P-H-I-E-L. That's for Steam. It may be for Xbox Live if I ever find myself buying an Xbox 360. Which is unlikely. Very unlikely. Largely very because very. you live with this Muppet who has an Xbox 360. Yeah, no, but I the don't. Back, the back's I've got a hard a drive and two controllers. The 360 itself is, well, it's a big white case. I didn't say it worked. I said you own one. That's true. No. But I, I, I will be sure to update the fan base if I ever get an Xbox, you know, if I ever get an Xbox 360. I'm just curious how you've managed to split your life up largely between your place, where up until recently there was an Xbox 360 that works. Yep. And your girlfriend's place, where there's an Xbox 360 that works, yep. without having an account. Well, I've got, you know, an account on Troy's and on Rowan's, but they're not live they're not live accounts. Mm. Might as well at least get live silver, it's free. Games for Windows Live, mate. Mm. A fairly handy service. Works through a lot of the games on Steam. Steam. <laughs> Steam. <laughs> All right, then. By the way, guys, you should totally check out Steam. To that. Uh, what, a ring mod? Yeah. Apply ring modulate to Steam! I'll see what I can do. You guys <laughs> should totally go out and check out Steam right now. 
Um, I'm sure they've probably got like a really good sale on. I haven't checked, but that's a pretty safe bet to say that there are probably some really good offers. Shall we check? What's the point? There will be be some good offers on. (laughs) When somebody is listening to this show three months from now, we go, yeah, you can get the whole of like Monster Truck Madness on Steam. I don't know why we sound like that all of a sudden. (laughs) The past will make us sound strange. Oh, I know it won't be relevant for them, but just as an example of the goodness of Steam. Also, they might be listening to it tomorrow. Also, we are no, they sitting, won't be listening to it. Tomorrow. We're not currently in Steam's lap on Steam's knob. That, that's not what's happening. Kind of are. It's kind of nice. Shush. Feels good, man. Feels good. Gah. What's on Steam? No, I'm who's not on Steam? Because you, 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 you downplayed the idea. So, no, no, who's, screw you, sorry, who's on Steam? Sorry? What's on Windows Live? No. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> If we're going to do this, we're going to do it with something applicable. Oh, Doctor Who Adventure Games coming out soon. Who is not going to be on Steam? Hmm, that is true. What? Who's on BBC? I don't know. No, Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> oh, and before we get done with this beginning section of the show, which is rapidly turning into all of the show, I think this might be the whole episode this cool. week. Uh, I would like to reference the forums. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yep, and it's uh, just specifically, I want to uh, mention that after the Pokemon episode, it was decided that Troy is James. What? What? And Jack is Jesse. Bollocks. No, Troy, no, because that makes you the more manly of us. Yeah, how many times have you dressed as a woman? Um, what, do you want the real answer? Yeah. Three times. Okay, fine. I rest my case. He is not the crossdresser out of the two of us. How many times have you dressed as a I, woman? I plead the fifth. Uh, as I remember it, they were both cross-dressers. True, but Jesse cross-dressed as a man. Yeah. Which is still, still cross-dressing. cross-dressing. I suppose it is. Good point. Don't think too hard about it. Yeah. I so... simply state that... Hmm. And thank you to listener Unique, who decided that that makes me, Meowth, the true Team Rocket mastermind. Yeah, true That's facts. right. <laughs> Now we're just going to like insert a gold coin in your forehead and make you talk with a really badly dubbed Brooklyn accent. I can do a badly dubbed Brooklyn accent. I won't, yeah. but I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For the record, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Simon, that was so compelling. <laughs> I love that you're trying to do this to the guy who edits the show. Shit! <laughs> Yeah, but if this is in the final show, people are going to get really confused. No, yep. they won't. I will. They will. I will I'll confuse be. the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm. So I'm Jesse. I'm James. Apparently, and I'm Meow. <laughs> this has been a very special twelve on stage one. Let's not end it there. Now we've got to do the Team Rocket salute thing, haven't we? What? Get fired out of a cannon, become a little tiny sparkle in the sky. No, but I do have an idea for a bumper. All of a sudden for trouble. Make it double. To protect the world from devastation. <laughs> to unite all peoples within our nation. <laughs> to denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Jack. Troy. Team Rocket blasts off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. That would be my line. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Honestly, I was sitting there going, 
I haven't watched the show in years. I'm going to wait for the couplet that ends in an it sound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I think that's the intro out of the way, 40 minutes into recording. <laughs> well, shit beans. Join us next time on World Run Stage 1. <laughs> oh, do you want to do the topic this week or do it another week when we have some time to dedicate to it? That's, I actually think as... If we cover the next 20 minutes, this whole thing, this whole bit is just going to be, you know what, I used to have an Amiga, it was pretty cool. Then we move on. As, as a retro video, video game podcast... This is this has done very little to advance the cause. That As a true. world one stage one podcast, uh, you know, answering answering messages, questions, what have you, from the listener base, and to kind of further solidify ourselves in the public mind as three morons <laughs> uh i think this has been a great show. I I'm, don't think there's much doubt about that. I know, but now there's now it's like canon. Well, I say 40 minutes into recording, that doesn't mean we've got 40 minutes of material. I mean, no, true. we got all that shit at the beginning. We have about 12 minutes worth of material. So it's worth touching on briefly, I think. A little rundown. <laughs> Brief. <laughs> Touch. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> A little rundown to familiarise listeners with our personal console-owning history. So where we come from as spokespeople on retro gaming. Because yeah. it's just something I was thinking of earlier when I was looking at my own history and I realised it dates back to, well, I say ColecoVision, but that's not quite accurate. It was a knockoff. It, it was, was a fake Coleco. It was a Pong machine. Yeah. That's, that's all you can really call it. Uh, on a black and white telly. Aww. And uh, I started to feel really old. You're so fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... I know, I You're am. so fucking old. I am the old man of the hills as far as World 1 Stage 1 is concerned. Some sort of bearded hermit with like a sparrow living in your hair. You are the only one here with a beard, I suppose. Hmm. So, I mean, what was your first gaming platform of any kind? First gaming platform I ever owned? <sighs> trying to remember whether it was a Game Boy or a Sega Master System. Hmm. Which I had... Was it one or two games? It was one game. Sonic the Hedgehog. The original Sonic the Hedgehog and the Sega Master System. But I believe if you didn't plug anything into one of the Master... I think they did like a Sega Master System 2 as well. One of them, if you didn't plug a cartridge in hmm. and turn it on, it would start playing Alex the Kid. Oh yeah, no, I remember that being true. Yep. yep. So I, I suppose I had two games for yeah. it. Um, and for the Game Boy, I had Tetris... Oh, and Dr. Mario. <laughs> no, I didn't own Dr. Mario. I had Yoshi's Cookie, which was like the cheap knockoff. I knock loved Yoshi's Cookie. It was the cheap knockoff of Dr. Mario it from was, within the same company. Yoshi. They were trying to cheat themselves out of their own business. It was whether you loved Mario or Yoshi. I hated them both. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, what was your first? Now, do you want the, the quick, this is what I had, or do you want the story that goes with it? Oh, let's have the story. Right. It was Christmas uh, a few years ago when I were a nipper, and... I wanted a Sega Master System. It was it was the thing at the time. It was either that or the NES. And all of my schoolyard chums who had an, uh, a Nintendo system were wankers. My my position in the console war has been well established by now, so let's leave it at that and say I hated them. So I wanted a Master System. And I told my mum this about, what, four months before Christmas? Because we didn't have a lot of money, and, and it was worth letting mum know in advance what you really wanted. And 
you know, December came along, and all of a sudden, under the tree, there appeared a box, which was about the right size for a master system. And I, I was excited. You know, I was like, oh my god, mum, you got... Well, I didn't say, oh my god, I was... Oh, wow! I had a much smaller voice then, I suppose. You got me a master system. My mother, bless her, she said, no, 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 it's a bread box. And I said, no, it's not. Don't be silly. And she said, it's a bread box. I've met your mother. I know exactly where this story is going. It was I a bread ex- box. I know exactly what your mother is like. With it- a master system in it. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, it would be a master system <laughs> box with a fucking bread box inside <laughs> it. Oh, no, no. I was trying to do the happy ending. <laughs> she, she, was, she wasn't alone in this plan. She'd let my family know that she hadn't purchased me a master system. Wink, wink. She'd purchased me a bread box. So when the cartridges popped up under the tree, now they weren't cartridges. Slices of bread. No, 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 no. They were the, they were the jam and the butter and the, like, the knife set that were going to go with my bread box. I just want to interject at this point as a, a huge fan of sandwiches. And say that would actually be a pretty good Christmas, as far as I was concerned as a child. That is true. Uh, I I was I was near to tears on several occasions because uh, my mother doesn't know when to when to stop a joke, really, and <laughs> she is awesome in that way. As she yeah, well, said, "How old are you, Troy? I'm 25." Yeah, so that joke's been running about 25 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the day came. And I was I was honestly prepared to to pull back the wrapping on this, and in that way you know you're obligated to to go. Oh wow! Thank you. I'll keep some bread in it. I was prepared for that eventuality. I'd steeled myself for this <laughs> crushing defeat, and I tore back just a tiny scrap of the paper, and Alex Kid was winking at me from there. And I lost my shit. I flipped out. I think I was eight or nine at the time. I I don't think I came down from the ceiling for about a week. But that's not where our story ends, dear listeners. My mother played on that fucking machine more than I did. (laughs) Could I interrupt while she was playing Alex Kidd? Could I ass? I now feel even older than I did earlier when I go back and say, yeah, I had Pong Machine uh, <laughs> and I played on that when I was little. But the first console that came came into my life, because that was pre-existing me, mm. uh, was the Atari 2600. Ah. I got the 2600 on which I played very few games stick in the mind. The ones that do are Pitfall. Cool. Mm-hmm. And Empire Strikes Back. Hey. Yeah, boy which attempted to recreate <laughs> snow speeders wrapping the legs of atats in a very simple two-dimensional side scroller it didn't do great no <laughs> no but it was really fun and that one does stick in my mind so i got started kind of when games got started and i deeply remember having my sinclair zx81 which is a, a little plastic box Actually, about the size of the mixer we use to do this show. Okay. So about eight inches by eight inches, really. Right. With a keyboard that's a flat surface with pictures of keys. Yeah. And it's made of a sort of thin plastic that warps when you press it. 
Huh. And it actually just had micro switches under the pictures of keys. That's kind of cool. That you were pressing on. And it had 4K of RAM. Oh my wow. god. But we had the really super luxurious 16K upgrade. Holy shit. You could go to the moon with less power than that. The upgrade <laughs> itself was about a box about two inches by four inches by six inches to hold 16k wow that you plugged into the back with this massive block of pins i mean if you've ever seen an old parallel printer cable yeah. <laughs> imagine two of them side by side <laughs> oh, you drop that you're gonna kill everyone no kidding and it doubled the weight of the computer wow. it was impressive and you would load programs from audio cassettes yes but not in that way that computers had a few years on, where they had a tape drive built into the machine. No, you took a tape recorder, like your dad's hi-fi separate system, <laughs> and a cable, and wired it into the side of the computer. And then you typed load, hit enter, and it would blink a waiting cursor. Then you'd run to the hi-fi and hit play. <laughs> and then, maybe two times out of ten, a game would load up. Yeah. Then- then you had later. to sprinkle the, the frog legs and the eye of Newt across the computer, <laughs> reciting the magic word thrice. But I reckon this is actually where I got into programming. Mm. I, I say I reckon, I know. Because this was when you used to get hobbyist magazines that included the code listing for simple games. Because they were simple enough to be described in a few pages of code. Mm-hmm. And I remember... One in particular, but I remember the concept very clearly. You would sit there and you'd type in your basic code, copying it out of the magazine. And it would be pages and pages and pages of this stuff. And they'd have pictures of what it will look like when it's finished, and Mm -hmm. descriptions of how you will play it when it's finished. And then you would reach the end of the code and press enter. And it would crash. (laughs) Uh, And it wouldn't run. And it would say there was an error on this line. And now, most people I know, most of my contemporaries who tried it would give up at that point. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. I'm going to make it work. What is the problem? How do I fix it? I have not wasted this time. So I would go up and I would look at the line and I would look at all the magazines and all the references I had for the language and I would would debug the code (laughs) until it worked. And that's how I got started as a programmer. That was more fun for you than the game, wasn't it? Kind of was, because most of the time the games were like a breakout clone or (laughs) something along those lines. So your hobby was was fixing them. Yeah. Wow. And that continued on when I got the BBCB microcomputer, Uh. uh, which again was basic driven, but I had a disk drive. Holy shit. Floppy disks. Holy shit. They were faster, and they usually worked, <gasps> as opposed to usually didn't. Rowan had one with, with one game on it. Learn to count with Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of games for my beep. This is where memories start to become really clear for me. I had Repton, which is an incredible game that is completely forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spy Hunter. Oh, yes. Chucky Egg. Which, oh, I love Chucky Egg. I miss Chucky Egg. Joust. Elite. And that your, was where my relationship... Game. Yeah, that was where my relationship with Elite started on the BBC B. Uh, because, specifically the B. Because it had a little exposed microchip holder <gasps> next to the keyboard. And the idea was, you could get programmable microchips, drop them in, 
put a little lever down to clamp them in, and then they're wired into the circuit board. Mm-hmm. And you can load off the microchip. Which is actually precisely the same system as games consoles. Ah, yeah, cool. Except that the pins are slightly more protected by a plastic case or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it was instant loading. And I had a leet on an EEPROM. <laughs> so I could just drop it in and it would run. I was so happy. Man, I had one EEPROM. Basically, I had a BBCB with Elite hardwired into it, much like your Master System had Alex Kidd in yeah. it and yours. Yeah. So yeah, I just had Elite hard programmed into my computer. I was okay with this. And yeah, it was around that in the early 80s that I actually got through quite a lot of different computers, or certainly had experience with quite a lot of different ones. Because uh, back then, consoles weren't quite as popular. No. Uh, home computers were just starting to get really big. Because uh, the Commodore 64 was another one I had that there's a lot of my formative gaming memories. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Some, yeah. some great games there. Uh, and it moves us into the third generation of games consoles. And this is where it starts to get a bit more interesting. Because here we start seeing very familiar names such as the NES. E. E. Which I had. I had. I an- still have. I had a NES, but do you know when I got it? When did you get it? 2004. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I still own it. Broken, but I still own it. <laughs> like I said, it only plays two games now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and WrestleMania. And you call that broken? Fair point. And it's also when we see the release of the Master System. Yeah, it is. And it's when we see the birth of the console wars. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's something akin to the early systems, I think. Because there was, pre the console wars, there was a home computer wars mm-hmm. between the ZX81 and the Commodore 64. Except this was fought by men in anoraks. Well, I don't know, I had both. I'm seeing what, anoraks? This, <laughs> I'm seeing this as the Marvel Civil War, of just the console wars going on, and then the, the kids who had their home computers going, where were you when we fought our war? <laughs> we are on no one's side. And the mutants are there all there. Going, We've done this already. This doesn't. <laughs> it would just break into two lines of canon. You guys have your console war, we'll just have some bitter memories. <laughs> it's also what I'd call the 8-bit era. Oh yeah. Array for 8-bit games. And on computing side of things, it was the introduction of uh, the 386. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which that started powerhouse of home computing. Home, com- home computing! It certainly was at the time. Uh, it was also, sadly, where we can start to track the fall-off of the video game arcades. Yeah. Which I think is probably a whole other show we should do. Oh, absolutely. Also, I want a video game arcade. We can totally open <laughs> one in Cheltenham. So let's look at fourth generation, because I think we're all caught up now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we've all declared our third generation ownership. Oh, yep. yeah. I had a NES, you had a Master System, and you had a Master System. And I now own a NES. You now own a NES, but not at the Splitter! time. Splitter! At... <laughs> I do wonder where my Master System is. In a skip, presumably. Probably, but yeah. <laughs> I'm a latecomer to the party. So we look at the, the fourth generation, mm-hmm. and we have the, the Turbo Graphics and the PC Engine, which I did not have. <sighs> yeah, I did not have. The Neo Geo, which I did not Is have. Is the Neo Geo that generation? Oh, yeah. It's equivalent of a Mega Drive or a SNES. I could have sworn the Neo Geo was much later than that. No, it was released uh, in... 
It was two years after the Mega Drive it was released, and it was released in the same year as the SNES. Wow, because a friend of mine had one and was still playing games on it in, like, 1999. Bear in mind, it was still called the Neo Geo in the fifth generation. So it didn't change its name. No, what he had was the Neo Geo Pocket. There we go, that's a different thing. I just remembered there was the word Pocket at the end of it. Neo Geo wasn't a handheld gaming device, was it? No, no it, it was, wasn't. like I said, equivalent of a Mega Drive yeah. or a SNES. So... I actually didn't own any console from the fourth generation. No? Nope. Uh, I didn't need to. All my friends had one or the other. <laughs> uh, so I played a lot on both. You were like the French Resistance. You just mm. you just wandered around and did your own thing. I, I cherry-picked the best of, of the generation. You know, I was there playing my Sonic games and Echo games around at one friend's place and Pilot Wings and Star Fox over at another. Surreptitiously putting on his false mustache, <laughs> crossing the street. So, and... so what was in the fourth generation? Just give us the, the list down. Uh, the Turbo Graphics or PC Engine, mm-hmm. the Neo Geo, mm-hmm. the Mega Drive. That's right. I owned a Mega Drive. I owned a, oh, It was a Mega Drive 2. Yep. I don't know if that was any different. It, it looked, looked pretty much the same thing. It was like the Master System and the Master System yeah. 2. Uh, we owned a Mega Drive 2, but we only owned, again, one game for it. But it was a game that it was a, a cartridge that had six games on it. What were they? We, they were, if I remember correctly, Columns, uh, FIFA World Cup nineteen ninety four. That's not a game. Um, Revenge of the Shinobi. Some sort of driving game, Golden Axe, and Streets of Rage. So you didn't actually have a cartridge full of games. What you had was a Genesis designed to punish you. And Golden Axe. And Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage was pretty good. And Shinobi was damn difficult. I don't like those side-scrolling fighter games. Uh, That said, there were two Dark Horse Outriders in the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. The Amiga CDTV. (laughs) Yeah, that was successful, wasn't it? Mm. And the CDI. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> ah, See, the problem with that is it sounds like the CDI is something that you would buy software for from a back alley. With a... <laughs> the problem with the CDI was it was made by Philips Electronics. Huh. And you can get from the name, they are Philips Electronics. And what they've done is they've made an e- electronically engineered games console. With no track record in gaming, no yep. history of gaming. We've heard Sony did the same. When Sony burst onto the scene with the PlayStation... They did, but they actually put some heart into trying to generate games. Yeah. And uh, following, they, they bought in franchises, much like Microsoft did when they arrived on the scene. Mm. Uh, what Philips did was said, We're Philips. Here's our games console. It's really well made. <laughs> There's Simon, a football Simon game. is making a very excellent face. <laughs> it's, it's the, the face word, that I imagine that Philips made. Is is the face that can be best described as just deadpan? If you if you imagine deadpan, that's the face. Which which issue did he come up in? Uh, was that where two seventeen of Cable and the illustrious? He was a Weapon X spin-off then. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Uh, it was also the fourth generation that started Sega's love of gadgety fucking add-ons. This, the Mega CD. And the 32X. Uh, what did those even do? Well, the 32X enabled 32-bit gaming. For, like, games that weren't written with 32-bit. Just, ah, uh, 
But what are the which CD? means it was way before the PlayStation, which was also 32-bit, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. And the Mega CD enabled games on CD, which all I remember of the Mega CD, my friend had one, and he showed it off to me, and all I remember was suddenly Echo the Dolphin had really good music, as opposed to MIDI music. Mm-hmm. Animaniacs was on uh, Mega CD. Ah, Sonic it was CD. incomprehensible as a game. But... <laughs> Sonic CD? Mm, yeah, true. Yeah. Useless, but it was there. <laughs> the only oh, well, Nintendo had its own share of gadgety add-ons, I suppose. But the Power Glove. Oh God! No, that wasn't really fourth gen, was it? Fourth gen? No, that oh. was uh, in the fourth gen. They did release the cartridge that allowed you to plug a Game Boy game into a SNES. Yes, which was cool, very cool. And with the SNES, I didn't own one, but we had a babysitter who would come around and she would bring her SNES around. What a fucking cool babysitter! That is a cool babysitter. Which I think started my just my love of girl gamers, really. Was that maybe they'll bring Donkey Kong round? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you were a young man at the time, I suppose. Yeah. So that was very much the the sixteen bit era, which I believe is also the time period over on the computing side that sees the introduction of the Atari ST mm-hmm. and the Amiga five hundred. Hey, it sounds like a racing event, doesn't it? It does a little bit. I got me an Amiga five hundred. But I got it well after I earned my first PlayStation. And this is, again, it's another of the wars. Atari versus Amiga. Oh, they yeah. were almost the same machine. Except that the Amiga had a better graphics and sound processor. Oh, really? So I got the better one? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Mind you, I say this as a former Amiga owner. Ah, right, okay. Ah, oh, that was a happy Christmas. An Amiga and a copy of Lemmings. Holy shit. I was done through April. Yeah. I was fine. <laughs> And Amiga is probably why I didn't own any of the fourth-gen consoles. Hmm. It had everything you wanted on it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Almost all of the games I wanted to play were on the Amiga. And if they were on one of the consoles, I could go around a friend's house and play it. And enter the fifth generation, which is sort of our crossover period for classic gaming. Yeah. It's the introduction of, of course... Another player into the market. We're now into sort of like the we've come out of the the classical age, and we're now into sort of the Renaissance. Would we say? Mm, or? I yeah. think that's fair to say. Which saw some great newcomers and some not so great sort of dark horse runners, because you've got right up there in the uh, the the main camps the Sega Saturn. Never owned, but a friend of mine had it. Used to use it to play. Um... Mortal Kombat on. I used to play Virtual Fighter on my friend oh, Sega Saturn. 3D games, man. And Virtual Racer. I don't. Ah, oh, yes. And Virtual Cop. I loved the Virtual series. Yeah. I never played on a Saturn. Yeah. It was. It was one of those things where uh, gaming had arrived in a in a format that was outside of our price range. You know, we were mm. we were kids. We were, we couldn't afford this ourselves. And our parents had invariably decided we were too old for these video game things. Ah, yeah. So I, I, I missed is... out on fifth gen. Yeah, that's an interesting time. Yeah. See, this and... is where I benefited from being, you know, like a mass spawning pit of, <laughs> you know, I was I was part of the first wave of children. <laughs> so there was always one yammering for a new game console. And over on the Nintendo camp, of course, the N sixty four. Ah, which my mate had. Yeah. Argue now. This is coming from a diehard Sega fan. Arguably the best console. Oh yeah, just, it's just revolutionary. Certainly of its generation. Of its generation. Oh, I yeah. don't know. 
I, it does have stiff competition. I'm a big fan of the PlayStation, I've got to say. I, I wasn't even talking about yeah. the PlayStation. This is the year that the Amiga CD32 came out. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I had a 500. <laughs> it's the same machine, except mine can do more. Well, uh, <laughs> the thing was, my little brother had an N64. And when I say he had an N64, he bought an N64. He Ooh, worked up his pocket money. He did a paper route. Good he, man. He bought an N64. Mm. And then he did a shit ton of work to buy games for it. Now, this this sort of comes into the thing of the, the age of terror. Does that actually house. prove Miyamoto's... Uh, do I mean Miyamoto? Yes, I do. Shigeru, the, yeah. the Nintendo... Yeah. His, his statement that we expect people to get a job to pay for PlayStation. <laughs> play for the N64, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's if you want a console badly enough, I suppose you will. Yeah, uh, and basically, uh, it started the sort of age of terror in our house. Because he became the sort of, my brother became the sort of megalomaniacal tyrant of the N64. Because everyone wanted to play it. Because we also but had a PlayStation. But we had bugger all games on the PlayStation. Yeah. And all the best games on the N64. Legend of Zelda we had. And Aerogage. And Shadows of the Empire. Didn't oh. have any of the Star Wars games. Which was a shame. Oh, you were missing out. Shadows I, of absolutely. the Empire is one of the finest games of this era of gaming. And Lilith Wars and things like that. But, um, basically, yeah, uh... It would always come down to, can we play the N64? No. For like 15 minutes? All right, give me two quid. And <laughs> this, this was the era of gaming. If you stayed on any longer so than that... he worked hard and became a shrewd businessman. He became Well, he became kind of a shrewd businessman, but if you actually stayed... If you started playing longer than you would actually bought with your um, tuppence, he would give you a concussion. Shrewd <laughs> businessman. We're talking <laughs> Alan Sugar of the N64. I will freely admit, I was beat up countless times by my little brother. He, he was a foot shorter than me. He was, you know, two years younger than me, but built like a tank crossed with a bull and with short man syndrome. Yeah, but if he's shorter than you, this means he's closer to your sack. Exactly. So he, he could throw a punch quite easily. So, you know, if you stayed on the N64 longer or you started playing on it without asking him, you'd get a chair in, in the eye, you know. <laughs> I've just realised we've moved on too quickly. All right. Harking back to the fourth generation, just quickly, I'd forgotten. The Game Boy? Ah, oh, the handhelds! Yeah. Yep. See, I owned a Game Boy, but I can't remember where. I, it was like the Master System. One day there was a Game Boy. Anything prior to that was sort of in the murky mists of my baby memory that I can't quite <laughs> form. And the Game Gear. Yeah, don't uh, look at don't look at me. Did you not have one? I didn't. Again, the these came into a time where they were fourth gen. So mm. I I had been bought by my mum. She'd bought me a a, a Mega Drive, but. Handheld, it was an extravagance yeah. that was just out of kind of price range sort of thing. So, See, it just hit the time for me where my year at school was starting to uh, be expected to take long field trips with mm. school. So handheld gaming became a very serious concern. Mm. And I had the Game Boy. It did prove to be the dominant player on the buses. Yep. But there were... Always a few kids with Game Gears lording it over us with their colour screens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember on the way to a place, we'd all feel a bit, because eh, they, they had their colour screens and they were enjoying their full colour gaming. But on the way on back. On the way back, we were the kings because we were still playing something. <laughs> <laughs> and then with and their... their six AA batteries were in the bin. Good time. See, this was, this was the period in which I read. A lot. <laughs> but yes, back into the fifth generation now. 
so yeah, the, the main front runners we know are Sega Saturn, Nintendo 64, and that cocky newcomer, Sony. <laughs> Such a fad. That we know the market doesn't support three. They'll never laugh. It doesn't, even, great, it doesn't use cartridges. Yeah, it's, it's all CD-based. Mind you, so was the Saturn. True, true. We had well, the greatest feeling of coming home one day and just seeing my mum setting up a PlayStation. My cousin playing Abe's Odyssey on, on the demo. Just going, <laughs> yeah, it works. And I'm like, what is this? What Man, is that this? demo disc. Mm. And Overboard. You remember that? Hey, Overboard. What The, the little pirate <gasps> that game. That was genius! Parappa oh. the Rapper. Uh, I love Parappa. Kick punch, that, it's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I think you'll find. I just realised, <laughs> I technically, I owned an N64 game. Oh, did you? My brother owned the N64, but I went halvesies with him on uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Ah. Which meant basically that he went. He had this idea that since he owned the N sixty four, he would get to decide who played it. We went halves. He's on the cartridge on mm. the game, and he said, "Web, you can't play because you don't have an N sixty four." Went off and played it. I was like, "All right, it's gonna be like that, is it?" And this is where I used my head. This is where I think I started to realize how different I am from my brother. I used my head, took the cartridge one night, put it on top of the on top of the fridge, in a box full of knives. <laughs> So basically, needless to say, we eventually got that game taken away from us. <laughs> what you're saying is, he was a violent prick. You're a vindictive prick. Yeah, and now you watch Saw films. There can't be any possible connection. I've got no. anyway. Moving on. <laughs> but my point being, N64. Damn, that was hours of fun in and out of the the gaming room. Yes, it also saw uh, the Amiga CD32. I mentioned mm, before. Yep. Uh, 3DO came out in that year, or that. Generation. Yay. Uh, and the Atari Jaguar, which, honestly, I would not have minded seeing succeed. I've never heard of it. It's a 64-bit console in the 32-bit era. Mm. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't pick up because, well, the PlayStation, the Sega Saturn, the CD32, and the 3DO were all suggesting that the future was CD-based. Yeah. So if you were going to stick with cartridges, you could choose either the Atari Jaguar or the, N64, or the N64. Which was marketed so much better. Exactly. And Atari were better known for software. Mm -hmm. Although it is interesting looking at the, the best-selling game on each of these consoles, because it sort of shows something interesting about franchises. I'm assuming for PlayStation it was Tomb Raider? Gran Turismo. Of course, yes. N64 had to be GoldenEye, right? Super Mario 64. Man, that game was yeah, awesome. Yeah, true. Okay, it was a great game. And Sega Saturn was Virtua Fighter 2. Which is where it gets interesting. Where's Sonic? Yeah. People keep saying, what did Sega do wrong? I think we've started to answer it. They dropped their icon. Their franchise was dying. They hadn't put enough work into their mascot, what they're known for. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong, Virtual Fighter 2 is a great game. Absolutely. And if you move away from your mascot, it just means you're doing new things, which is always good. But, but it sold 1.7 million copies. Super Mario 64, for reference, sold... Nearly 12 million. Jesus. Right. And Gran Turismo, nearly 11 million. Yeah. Okay. On the CD32, by the way, it was Simon the Sorcerer. Yay! <laughs> Fucking love that game. And on the Jaguar, it was Aliens vs. Predator. Oof. And there were also a another few bits and pieces hanging around in the corners, like the Virtual Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The console's so good it gives you headaches and makes you throw up. <laughs> oh, wow. The Neo Geo. 
Again. Yep. This time with a CD drive. And this time with CD! <laughs> Holy crap! And, um... Oh, Apple Bandai. That's... The Pippin came out in the fifth generation. The Pippin? The Pippin, which was a cross-marketing concept between Apple and Bandai. Right. Those are two companies I love. The fact you've never heard of it uh, is well, not I've, surprising. I've heard of Apple and I've heard of Bandai, but... <laughs> Not their horrible flipper baby. So, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was basically not really a console so much as a concept of a, a really cheap front room based computer. Yeah. So it was engineered like a computer, which is why it didn't sell. So it was as wholly a inaccessible to most minds. It, it just didn't. Well, no, it, you put a CD in it and you plugged a controller into the control port, mm-hmm. but it was a big box with a fan on the back and. It wasn't quite a computer, it wasn't quite a console. Exactly. It uh. sat somewhere in the middle and uh, drew the market of neither. Yeah, it didn't really appeal to either. That's a shame. Oh well. But it was a great generation for handhelds. Uh, well, if if you like Nintendo. I do. Because we saw the light and the colour both released. And I, I got a Game Boy Colour in the uh, year of release of Pokemon Blue, going back, harking back to our last episode. Has to be said, um, the light was only released in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got a colour, year of release. Well, the Game Boy Colour was essentially just the Game Boy Light, wasn't it? But with colour. Yeah, mm. as in it was the same sort of slightly smaller size. Then they did a, another Game Boy that was flat. Mm. forget what that one was called. The it Game was, Boy Flat? Was it, it might actually have been the Game Boy Flat. I think it was the Game Boy Mini. That was it, yes, mm. that one. Didn't bother with that. Uh, but it was also the year of release of the Neo Geo Pocket. Yep, which my friend had, and yeah, I yep, was pretty cool. I had a Neo Geo Pocket as well. It was a pretty well. cool little uh, system it was. Well, it was a great idea, because what it was, was the games from last generation's Neo Geo mm-hmm. on a handheld. Yeah. That's all it did. You know, you, you didn't have specific Neo Geo Pocket games. It was all the Neo Geo games on a Pocket device. Hmm. I was happy. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a kind of sense. And it was also the generation that saw the Sega Nomad. Um, Again, this is another one that's taken sorry, me by boss. surprise. The Nomad, the sequel to the Game Gear. Is this like the N-Gage? The kind of, we, we don't quite know what to make of it, let's not talk about it, handheld. Uh, it was a really... It, they tried to do the same thing as the Neo Geo Pocket. You literally plugged Mega Drive cartridges into it. That ceases to be a handheld device in my mind. They weren't small. No, they weren't. Uh, in fact, they stuck out of the device quite a way. Oh, you don't look like a twat on the bus at all with that, do you? Imagine a Game Gear with yep. half a Mega Drive cartridge sticking out the top. That's w- what a Nomad is. It would is. look like a pregnant Game Gear. Mm. What it a stupid concept. To harken back to that old description someone had of William Shatner, it would look like five pounds of shit slapped into a three-pound bag. <laughs> oh. I like William Shatner. I like William Shatner, but it's a pretty accurate description, you've got to admit. He doesn't look well most of the time. He looks fine. The oh, next generation. Is a sad generation. Really? Is it? Well, it's the, the death of Sega as a competitor in the marketplace. True. Yeah. They're, they're dying epic, the Dreamcast. Which was so ahead of its time. But also... So ahead, of its time, they actually had, so ahead of its time, they can actually be used as a weapon. Because the sound of those fans going off could quite easily <laughs> cripple a man. <laughs> uh, I had a Dreamcast. 
In fact, this is... <laughs> Sorry. I had a Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, just looking at it, this is the first generation where I owned every console in the generation. Wow. I owned a Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. Oh, GameCube. I never owned... No, I, I borrowed a Dreamcast recently, but I never... I did not, however, own them all concurrently. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I, my friend owned a Dreamcast. It struck me as being really fucking complicated. Not uh, really. You put did, a disc in and play a no, game. No, I mean, like, with certain games, like, um... There was a certain uh, Sonic Adventure where you needed one of the little memory card slot thingies. To, oh, the VMUs. Yeah, you needed one of those to actually play the game. Um, yeah, there's a lot of games where you need memory cards. It's true, but <laughs> at that time, there weren't that many. Quite a the few. First, the first ones I saw were on the Dreamcast, and they That's kind of confused enough. me a little bit. Um, you are a simple creature. Yeah, I was still... Well, I mean, in between... Oh, I forgot you were three at the time, weren't you? Screw you. In between Generation 5 and 6, after I got my PlayStation and my Game Boy Color, I got an Amiga. So that should probably sort of you say... You took a step backwards? I, I did take a step backwards. Um, yeah. And then we got a PlayStation 2. And then my brother got a GameCube. None of us ever had an Xbox, though. But this there kicked off the, the new console wars. Yes. Sony, Microsoft. Ironically, between two competitors who weren't around at the time of the first console wars... Uh, and to make my allegiance clear, I sold my PS2 to buy an Xbox. Yeah. I never really had any particular dislike for the system. What put me off Sony was their their marketing, their advertising, which seemed to rely mostly on lies, flimflam, and chicanery. What put me off Sony was their not having any games. Unless you but... really friggin' love JRPGs. Mm. Which I do. I was going to say, Sony... The PlayStation 2 was the one for the games. The GameCube, and the, the GameCube and the Xbox had fuck all in comparison. Wrong. GameCube had fuck all. I agree. Xbox, oh, there was a lot of games that, that was... I wanted to play mm -hmm. on the Xbox. Ah, fair enough. But PlayStation 2 had so many games. See, this is the era when I was working in games retail and I would be constantly asked, which system do you buy? Yeah. And my answer would be, which games do you want to play? Yeah. I would. I would think that to, at least to my mind, how it worked with the PlayStation had a very sort of specialist appeal almost in that there was a number of things that did really well. Your JRPGs, your, mm -hmm. your sports simulators to some mm. degree. But the Xbox had a far bigger spread of titles. It also had Halo. Right, yeah. I was Halo. just going to come to yeah. Halo. Halo was what really sold me on the Xbox and to the point that I've been waiting for this game since I first saw it unveiled at the Macworld Expo. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's the weird history of Halo, in that it was a Mac title that ended up not even being on a desktop computer, but being on a Microsoft games console. That, <laughs> until it was ported to PC. Badly. And yeah. then to the Mac. Was it? It was at the same time. Oh, okay, yeah. Simultaneous port to desktop computers, essentially. Mm, okay. Because yeah. the PS2 had the games. But those games were largely not games I was that interested okay. in. Okay. Uh, because I don't like JRPGs. Mm -hmm. Not all about sports sims, so the FIFA and the Pro Evo crowd don't convince me. I, I wasn't me. much for sports myself. The games, when I got rid of it, I'm not going to say I didn't miss anything from the PS2, but it was very few, very kind of oblique games that I missed. Ico. God, Yeah. Because uh, Shadow of the Colossus was not yet out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I missed Ico. I missed Rez. Rez was brilliant, yeah. To the point that I still own Rez, even though I no longer own a PS2. 
Hmm. Uh, Just can't give it up. Well, my PS3 is not backwards compatible, and I'm really sad. I thought it would be. Hey, Sony, fuck you. Uh, and what was the third one? There was, oh, Wipeout. Ah, ah, yeah. Yeah, good game. Those were the games I missed when I got rid of the PS2. Hmm. But games I got, because I had the Xbox, outweighed them and I just didn't miss them anymore. Mercenaries? Mercenaries. When that was a, when that was a game, rather mm-hmm. than a sequel. Fable. Yep. Halo. Yep. Dead or Alive. Yep. Because yep. that's me. And I was just so happy. Shenmue uh, was on the Dreamcast. Never mind. That came to the Xbox later. It did, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that's what I've got. But, um... um so yeah, I, I completely was converted over to the Xbox. Yeah, uh, and the GameCube I had for fun Nintendo stuff, which mad is, things normally. Yeah, it's sort of the start of where the Wii is now very situated. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, casual gaming, party gaming. See, we owned a PlayStation Two, so there I was. I had a PlayStation Two, therefore I was only going to buy PlayStation Two games. Yeah, there was no room in the house for an Xbox. We had would have had to buy buy a second house to get an Xbox in there. You could have sort of sheltered under the Xbox if you could have found something <laughs> strong crushed, enough to it, prop it up. We, oh, our house wouldn't have been if we had no. actually put it on the roof. It would have crushed it. You got to remember. You've seen my old house, remember? Yeah. You came around and ordered pizza. It, it was kind of shitty. <laughs> you came around and ordered pizza. That's such a weird way of putting it, yeah. but yes. But it was kind of shitty, right? Uh, small, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but considering there's, what, 23 children that grew up there? Uh, 27. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, and my brother owned a GameCube, mm. which was, he loved because it had a fucking handle so he could take it where it like, to his and friends. And throw it. <laughs> you know, swing it. And use it as a weapon with corners. Surprisingly, <laughs> st- surprisingly sturdy was the GameCube. Oh, I know. Uh, but no, I loved my PlayStation 2, um, mm-hmm. even when it stopped playing DVDs, or stopped playing PlayStation 1 games, or stopped playing PlayStation 2 games, which had a blue back to the disc, hmm. and then just stopped playing games. So they had a, a life expectancy, and they would slowly stop, start oh, degrading, yeah. I and remember. they'd stop doing certain actions. Oh yeah, I remember it was always the blue back discs that went first. Yeah, uh, maybe it was like blue back discs, then DVDs, then PlayStation 1 games. Mm. Yeah. See, I... The Xbox was my first console that I bought for myself. And it was it was significant to me because I worked a job I hated in order to, to get the money together for this. And I bought my Xbox. Mm-hmm. And then I bought Morrowind. And I lost mm. three months of my life to that game. I just bought Morrowind for the PC. I'll tell you Didn't the other thing. My PC. <laughs> the other thing that sold me going from Sony to Microsoft mm. and made me really happy to have the Xbox mm-hmm. is the online experience. Ah, this is when the internet starts coming in for gaming and whatnot. For yeah, because yeah. Sony's online experience has always been free, but shit. Yeah, and Microsoft's online experience has always been premium, but really well done. Yeah, because I owned a PlayStation for some time, a period of time I'm not entirely sure on. Well. Okay, it's quite easy to work out. I bought it at launch, so November 2000, yeah, and sold it to replace it with an Xbox in November 2001 when that launched. So yeah. a year. Yeah. I didn't manage to get it online once. Uh, oh. I tried multiple times. I never tried. I didn't manage, not once. The Xbox, I got it home, I plugged it in, it went, ooh, I'm online, I think. Press B. And I pressed B. It went, Yes, I am. I'm configured. <laughs> and you, 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 you came a little, didn't you? A little bit. After all that fight. And then I put in Halo, and then I played multiplayer before the campaign, because I was like, oh god, this was so easy to get it online. 
Good call. And then I co-opted my way through Halo. I have never played the original Halo solo. Really? No point. No. Co-opted the whole way. Yep. And meanwhile, on the handheld side, this was the release of the Game Boy Micro. Not uh, mini micro. Right. Which I never had. No, no, same here. I didn't see the point. But it was the release of the Game Boy Advance, which I did. I didn't. Mm. Also the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which made me sad, because mine was not. Aww. It's also the release of the Engage. <laughs> should, we, should we give an honourable mention to the Engage? We have mentioned it. That's all the honour it's fucking getting. Yeah. yeah, I think that is the mention. Could it play games? Eh, kind of. Could it receive calls? Eh, kind of. Did you look like a twat when you were like doing anything on it? Eh, totally. Very much so. <laughs> I'm not even sure if this one was released in the States. I, I don't know how far it made it. I'm got the amazed it got out here. I had a friend with an N-Gage. I, we had, I a friend, had a friend, we with, had a friend with an N-Gage. Did he not like just... a Muppet. Yeah. Because he was very small. Mm-hmm. So the N-Gage did look even bigger in his hand. So it did look <laughs> like he was holding a Cornish pasty to the side of his head. <laughs> a robotic Cornish pasty to the side of his head. Robot pasty activate. For those Play who Call don't of Duty. know what an N-Gage is, it was a precursor to sort of the, the multifunction phones you get now, but before things had been miniaturized to the point that that worked, so it was huge. It's about well, it's not massive. It's it's about the size of a Game Boy Advance, which for a phone is quite for big. a handheld gaming device not too big. For a phone, for a too phone, big. fucking massive. Uh, and it was slightly larger than the Game Boy Advance, a little bit, and a lot heavier. <laughs> but the mistake they really made was was one very simple error. Changing a game, taking out a cartridge and putting in a new one, mm-hmm. was impossible without removing the battery. What? Really? It was underneath the battery. Huh. So it was It was designed by, I Nokia. don't know, one of the flippiest, the flippier, the flipper children mentioned earlier? Yeah, possibly. Uh, in fact, this led to the release the next year of the N-Gage QD. Which, one of its selling points was it fixed many of the problems that it had in the earlier generation. One of those problems being that you couldn't swap a fucking game without taking out the battery. <laughs> when, when the second edition of your handheld gaming device includes accessible cartridge slot as a feature, you have lost the war. <laughs> Maybe that's why Rich became, like, so into his, like, training and exercise was so he could lift the engage to his ear for a period of time long enough to be able to make a call because <laughs> man that shit was heavy oh i know and then after that we move into the generation that is now there was now we don't know what happened which is another generation in which i own every console 360 we playstation 3 what else is there around in this? oh DS. actually nintendo ds i do own i bought it off my brother for 15 pounds I gotta admit, this is this is the generation in which I kind of I still dislike Sony as as a marketing entity because, ah, uh, yeah. But are you married to Xbox as a company? No, to but, Microsoft even. No, but the 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 point I would make is that this is the generation in which so uh, the the PS3 actually has games on it, exclusives even that I'm pretty interested in and am considering because Heavy Rain on the PS3. Oh my god. One of my most enjoyable gaming experiences of the last 12 months. Uh, Gran Turismo 5. So looking forward and to. And I, I like my driving games. So. Reasonably priced car, top gear test track. That's all I need to know. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to drive. Basically, 
it's going to become a spectator event because I will drive around the Top Gear test track at full tit narrating myself and the, the worst Clarkson impression you can imagine. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, it also plays, you know, all the big franchise stuff. So Fallout 3 is one example of that. The games that actually I'm not really fussed on what I play them on. Hmm. So play, yeah, the PlayStation has finally sort of edged its way into my notice as a console hmm. as opposed to screw you Sony your numbers and I'll stick to Xbox 360 DS and PlayStation 2 oh yes I have a DS yeah I've got a DSi extra large because I have huge hands so I tell you I don't own one of everything from this generation but staggered across them I have something for, from each company of the three big companies hmm. around at the moment I have a DS PlayStation 2 and an Xbox 360 in playable, you know, reach. You don't have a 360. No, in playable reach, I mean, <laughs> that I can play occasionally. Same with the PlayStation 2. He's talking. He is. Can we edit that? I think so. Okay, so we have a DS. <laughs> <laughs> and a laptop. Yeah, the laptop doesn't play games. It plays old games, which is what we're about. It plays Guild Wars pretty well. There you go. There we go. That's not even that old. It's not. People want to, for some reason, it won't play other games that aren't that old. It plays Morrowind, though. Hells yeah. Yes, I think we're done. We're done. Oh, also, if anyone else plays Guild Wars, give us your name and. Yeah. And we'll break your legs. We'll, we'll totally, we'll totally <laughs> go slay goblins. By we, he means you and Jack, because yeah. Troy and I don't play Guild Wars. But you totally no. should. I have an account. Well, you I just have an don't account. play Guild Wars. You should totally play it. We also have it's Star free. Trek Online accounts. Yep. Yep. You pay for that. No, that's true. We don't. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go Team Lifetime. So, yeah. Come play Guild Wars. No, come play Star Trek Online. Fuck come you. play Star Trek Online. A game which doesn't have swords and sorcery in it. Play an MMO that isn't fucking sword. fantasy based. No, you've got a Batleth. It's a Klingon sword. Not a sword, it's a Batleth. Help me prove my point. <laughs> I've got I've got phaser banks and photon torpedoes. Ground combat can eat my dick. And also, I did play an MMO that wasn't um, a a Guild Wars is an MMO. It's not an MMO. I strongly disagree it's a with MMO. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. B. I played an MMO that wasn't sword and sorcery based, and Eve bought the shit out of me. Yeah. Okay. So, right. So you've played Guild Wars, an the online instance accountant. multiplayer game, mm -hmm. and Excel. <laughs> Excel. I've also multiplayer. Played, I've also played World of Warcraft. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I, hey, I have 30 day free it's, subscription. It's the biggest multiplayer yeah. I, I game in the world. I thought I'd see what the fuss was about. I could, we do a gaming podcast. Yeah. I couldn't hold myself up and That's say... That's why I've played it. Yeah. But the thing is, I've played it multiple times. I've gone back and had maybe five 30-day accounts. Yeah. Just to... Well, surely, I, I missed it last time. I, I it didn't get it. Yeah. I'll get it this time. And every single time, it's completely failed to impress yeah. me. I think it's... But then you look at the room you're in. We don't really get on with World of Warcraft, but then none of us are really D&D &D fans. We'll always plump mm. for the sci-fi or the modern settings. I'm, 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 you and I will. I'm a, fa yeah. I'm a fantasy ma uh, maniac. I am a sword and sorcery buff. And yet you don't like World of Warcraft. You are the aberration here. Yeah. I, don't like, I don't like World of Warcraft, essentially, because it, it just bored me greatly. It's not a great game. Because mm. don't get me wrong, I love... The Warcraft world. Oh yeah, absolutely. True. Love, yep. uh, the Warcraft games are some of the best. Even the recent Warcraft games. Three was really good. I loved Warcraft Three. Yeah, it's fantastic. But World of Warcraft, it, first of all, it completely dumbs down the mythos of the Warcraft mm -hmm. world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not about the fantasy world in World of Warcraft. It's about playing FedEx carrying packages across the land it's from person with an exclamation mark and... to person with an exclamation mark. And yeah. It's one of the fundamental problems with MMOs at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Still, that's a, a whole other topic for that's a whole That's a whole kettle of shit that we don't really need to get <laughs> into right now. Because I'm feeling that Ultima Online should probably have a show at some point. Absolutely. Which means I need to play it. Which is fine. I still have a copy, and there are free servers around. Oh, excellent. Then let's do that some like weekend or something. Yeah. I have two words to say on the subject of MMOs. Shields up! Captain, we have engaged the enemy. Engage weapons and shields. No, shields and engines. No, just weapons. <laughs> I'll engage the shit out of those enemies. See, I don't, I don't need any of this shit. For my MMOs, I just need to have the sound of a guy drawing a sword, and then an axe appears in his hands, and I go, wait, what? I just love that you've got your little computer going, engage shields and engines. We have engaged the enemy when you target an asteroid. I was like, no, no, you target I'm an asteroid fine. and it goes, ship is under attack. Yes. Is, is it really? What happened? Did I... Mentally? It is hurt there itself a, in its confusion. Is there a creature on that asteroid that's like flipping us the bird or writing libelous statements on its blog? <laughs> Wait, asteroid blog. <laughs> Anyway, we have reached a point where we are not podcasting, we are chatting. Yeah, we are very sorry. We used to do this, like, as the beginning part of the podcast, if you remember. Which is fine. I think some people still miss that. Well, that's nice of them. Which is kind of why we gave them a little bit of chat before we started the show this week. That is true. But next time, join us for when we may do something that is about a game. Hmm. Yeah, holy shit. And may not. Yeah, probably not. Who knows? Until next time, then. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. And me too. I was really hoping he'd go for that. Rock! That was World 1 Stage 1. Visit our website at world1stage1.com Join our forum, send us an email. Or follow us on Twitter at W1S1. And, of course, our thanks go to Power Glove for our theme tune.